Welcome to Hitmakers Exposed. These are raw, uncensored conversations with hit songwriters, artists, producers, musicians, entrepreneurs, and music business experts who have all hit the big time. Hosted by the Songwriting Academy, home to the most successful music faculty on the face of the planet, with over 1 billion record sales between us. We know the way, we go the way, and we show the way. So excited to introduce our next guest, who has worked with One Direction, Paloma Faith, Christina Perry, The Libertines, Shawn Mendes, Shania Twain, Lady Gaga, and of course, uh, was behind the uh, the career of Ed Sheeran as well. Um, please, would you all go wild and crazy for Jake Gosling? Take a seat. Thank you very much. So, uh, Jake, thanks so much for joining us, mate. Um, just delighted to have you here and really keen to find out. I mean, you've had a long career in the music business and you were just saying to me downstairs that, you know, you, you came from a musical background as well. So yeah. before we start talking about sort of pop and all of that stuff, tell us, tell us how it all happened for you. And you know, when did you first fall in love with music? You know, what's, what's, what was your journey in the beginning? Um, I, think, I think the sort of... You know, it was I was you know a kid surrounded with it. I think you know maybe for a lot of people similar stuff. When you're surrounded with music, your parents and stuff like that, you're sort of naturally. My my, my dad was a keyboard player um, in bands and stuff like that, um, and it was, I couldn't escape it. I mean, it was like he was managed by Bill Wyman from the Stones, right? Um, in a band, it didn't really sort of kick off for him, um, and he was always quite wary. And he, there were quite a few sharks in those days. I mean, you know, there's still a few around now. Really? Well, apparently, um, <laughs> which we're aware of. But um, yeah, I, th- I think it was like being surrounded with that sort of world. And he was, you know, I showed a real interest in music. Um, I wasn't that technical. I mean, in terms of like playing and stuff, I mean, I could play and I, I'd, I'd be given like, you know, piano stuff to play and I'd sort of go off my own world and start sort of doing other things, not really knowing what I was doing. But I think that sort of started forming... I guess, experimenting with, with, I guess, songs and stuff like that. Um, so there was definitely a creative thing to, to what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and I sort of actually, weirdly enough, um, at school, my, my dad had wrote like an album that hadn't really do it, done anything. And I heard it. And it was like a progressive rock album. And I was like, wow. I was like, you know, 12 or something. And I heard it. And uh, it, nothing really happened with it. And there was sort of like a, a story to this sort of record. It was almost like, and it was, it was set in, you know, medieval times, you know, in, in the round heads and the cavaliers and all this sort of wow. stuff. Wow. And I was like, this is like, it's like a prog rock album. The know? spinal tap stuff. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Being 12, I was like, yeah, you know, like, you know, battles. And, and I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a musical. Wow. And I was 12. And, I, and, and like, I went to the school and I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to give this a go. This looked at me like, well, you know, you've got GCSEs to start thinking about. Um, anyway, so I ended up sort of going for it. And I wrote other songs to fit in between. I made a story about it. was called Thomas Harper. And I wrote this sort of thing in between it. And I, and I, I, I just sort of took over my world. I didn't do very well at GCSEs. But, um, but I had a really good time doing it. And, and, and it was something that was very new to me. And I hadn't, I'd been in little bands as a kid and stuff. Yeah. But, um, it was a whole new direction. And then I ended up entering it for this sort of competition in London, like young um, musical, right? You know, it was like under 30 sort of people. And we came like runners up in this thing. And it was me and this other guy. And um, it was like Tim Rice there and like, all these like Cameron Macintosh and like these crazy people. And I'm like 12, 13. And just wow. 
it was pretty mind blowing. Do you remember the the very first moment that you got the big the big rush? You know, the spine tingle from music. Yeah, I think it was around that period of time. I think because you know, like you know, I think being like twelve and like experiencing that thing, we did it in the school and it was like sold out. And I was I was also directing it. It was like a whole sort of thing with my mate. You know, there were older kids in the school, so we were like, we got time to get you know get back at them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but it, it was it was a real eye opener, and I think it really sort of. I was I was writing songs, but it was it was for like in a musical form, and it was a play, and it was a theatre, and it was really exciting, and it was obviously history, and it was all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think I think the buzz sort of the first real sort of thing when that happened was like, wow, this is really exciting. I was like, well, how else can I channel this into other things? Um, and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like the super brightest at school, but I was obviously in love with with music and that arty yeah. world. Yeah. So I was like, how do I do this? How do I get more into that? Um, so that's what I pursued. Um, there were a few mates. I went to Godalming College, which is like near Guildford. Yeah. Um, and we ended up sort of almost being managed by a guy called Kev Nixon. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he, he was involved with the ACM. I don't know if you know the ACM yeah. in, in Guildford. Um, we don't talk about them. No. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah, good. fair enough. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a sort of weird time. But then we ended up supporting my third gig was like within, within excess. What? Yeah, it was like random. I was like... How? How does that happen? <laughs> I don't know. It was like, it was through a friend of a friend. I mean, with music and things like that, I don't know. It's like, it's such a small sort of circle in so many ways. And one thing sort of happened there and that happened there. And then before we know, and I, I was the lead singer in the band. I was keys so, to start with, but then I was a singer. So I guess that's how I learned songwriting. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was jamming. So it wasn't like... I, w- I was taught how to do it. I was just, when you're in a room and you're playing with people and you're jamming and you're playing, you just experiment. It's all experiment. And yeah. then I went to uni up at, up at Manchester and it was that whole indie scene up there. So it was a really great music scene in Manchester, you know, Oasis. And suddenly the way the world was changing was the fact that media and music were becoming so intertwined, what with the development of technology and Instagram, Facebook, and obviously Instagram wasn't then, you know, there then. It was all sort of popping up. Uh, MySpace, that's what it was. Anyone remember that one? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think I still got mine up there. The girl I was working with on, uh, not working with, sorry, she was on the same course as me. She was Sean Ryder's, like, girlfriend from the Happy Mondays. Yeah. Yeah, and she was like, well, I'll, I'll help manage you, you know. And, and obviously I've got connections with the Happy Mondays and stuff yeah. like that. And I was like, this is amazing. So the Hacienda, when the Hacienda was there, we yeah, were then, my, you know, the band, and I was getting really into sampling then. It was like Akai Sampler and live samples and things. You know, it was just like, it was like a real progressive thing. You know, I'd, I'd done the sort of funk band, I'd done the musically thing. I'd, and so you were producing the, the records as well at this point? I sort of was, but, I, I, you know, I, I had like a really small setup and it was, it was like, you know, cakewalk and those sort of early yeah, yeah. recording sort of things, just trying to get ideas down. And I had a reel-to-reel as well, actually. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. <laughs> And it was, it was very, it was very analog. So the way I learned was, well, you've got to commit to it. And it was more about capturing a moment than necessarily having like it is now when you've got all these possibilities where you can pre-save every single thing or go to a preset. And there was so much more limitation on what you could do, but it made you so kind of think about what you were actually going to do. You had to really consider what the record was going to sound like. And, and there's a lot more trial and error now, isn't it? You know. Yeah, and I think that whole early development of not having having any rules, you know, in that yeah. respect was was great because when you're like, well, you know, how do we record it? Well, I'll record it, and we'll press record, and you know, you know, the stuff that you get up to, you know, experimenting with like hitting water in a tub or shaking some spoons or 
rice or whatever paper or whatever you can find around to create sounds and music to help your songwriting because you write the song and then then it's another thing altogether so this these two parallel worlds started to sort of meet where i was creating in a audio way yeah. also creating in a songwriting way mm-hmm. and it was really exciting i mean it was like a really exciting time and when you know someone's not telling you what to do it's brilliant you're like okay and you push things here and there and not always it doesn't always work but and also the music you're listening to, the stuff you're influenced by, you know, it's yeah. always influencing you. And you're like, how did that, how do you get that snare sound? Or how do you get that kick drum sound? Or how do they do that? And yeah. you want to try and work it out. Is it this, this? And obviously I had limited resources in so many respects. I didn't have the money that these guys had when they were making big records. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had a, a very small setup, but it was enough to be able to do what I needed to do. And then I did some work experience, um, uh, Virgin, uh, records, um, uh, down by the canal there when it was there in marketing i just mm-hmm. did some, like a summer summer sort of there and i loved it it was brilliant i mean it was really good fun and i i was i was actually quite left to my own devices and they were like well you can do the press you can do like the press release packs you know so i was like okay what can i do here so i actually i started doing i started making them myself like rather than just photocopying stuff i was like well i painted a bit so I started like painting and doing collages. And I'm sure they were thinking, what are you up to? But um, it actually really worked. And, I, and then I photocopied the, the stuff I was making, like painting these pictures and getting all these collages and putting it all together. And it was, it was fun. It was really good fun. And um, I learned another side, I guess, about the industry. And, yeah, right? and it all goes hand in hand now, doesn't it? Because well, it's so DIY now. It's very DIY. And... and and, and that approach, you know, even though I was in a big label, I was lucky enough to sort of run around doing little bits and pieces here and here because they didn't really mind. Yeah. I mean, as long as I was doing what I needed to do, make some coffees and some teas and yeah, yeah. clean out. I remember once I had to clean out a cupboard at East West Records. It was literally, I couldn't open the door. And I was like, but I got some really cool stuff from there. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the first break then for you? What was the first, what would you say, significant break um, that said, yeah, I'm doing the right thing here? I, this is my, my springboard. I think it was a, f- a few little things after that point. Funnily enough, the first sort of thing I did was I met my now publisher, Sarah Livesey, yeah. Bucks Music. I don't know if you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And Simon there. And um, she was working at the BBC at the time. And a friend of mine was playing in the BBC band. It was called The Saturday Show. And he was in like the band that was on TV. And obviously he was my mate. And I was like, well, you know, he was like, come along to the BBC because they used to like be able to get into Top of the Pops. Yeah. And I was like, yes. And they sold bottles of wine for seven quid. <laughs> and I was like, this is awesome. Between, between the two of us, yeah. <laughs> this is ideal. You know, it's four quid each or whatever it was. You know, it's like, and um, so we, and it obviously Top of the Pops was fun, you know. So I was meeting lots of people there and I met Sarah around that, well, the person that worked for Sarah yeah. um, there. So I was like, hold on, this could be a good avenue for maybe, you know, music. I've got, you know, I had songs I was recording a bit as well then. It started up again. And um, I met Sarah. Yeah, it was just, it was just very natural. And, and, you know, I think everyone knows, you know, it's like, it is like a family. And it is like, you, you want to work and surround yourself with people that you you feel comfortable with and yeah. relax with because you're all Completely. doing the same thing, yeah. you know, and you know, and I think within the community, especially with songwriters, you know, you, you're sort of all trying to help each other out. You're collaborating, you know, in that yeah. respect. It's different to a lot of other industries where there isn't that sort of same, I don't think there's the competition as such. There is competition, but it's a different thing. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so with Sarah, um, she said, well, do you want to try work, you know, doing some music for TV? 
So that's what I actually started doing. Right. I did a couple of like BBC drama, like title music stuff. Cool. Um, and I liked it, but it, it wasn't, again, it wasn't, I don't know, it's a different thing. It was like writing to a thing. I felt a bit, I guess, um, locked in. It didn't, you know, it, was, it had to be 30 seconds. Then I have to do like a five second, diddly, you know, like a 10 second. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and it was all a bit like, okay, well, it felt a bit, I guess, I guess sort of, I felt a bit starved of, of that creative side. Yeah. Um, and then I met um, a mate of mine, John Wolf, who's a music manager um, now, and uh, he has, has had the disciples and he's got Elderbrook now. And he had, he was offered Wiley. And I was friends with him at that time. And then he was like, well, look, I've got Wiley and, you know, you've, you make beats and tracks and stuff. Do you want to work with Wiley? And I, and I was like, yes, <laughs> let's go, let's, let's do it. I mean, amazing guy. I mean, just literally like would write like, a mach- like just, just shoot words and ideas just nonstop. He'd write five, ten songs like half of the day. <laughs> the other half would be another load. But, you know, what a, a, the creative output. And, I'm, and I got very fast. I had, to, I had to learn to be fast. Yeah. I had to be quick. So that's, I guess, where I learned my speed because I was like, I've got to keep up with this because I've got to record. And he wants that, to record that, now. That's, that's right? a thing, isn't it? You know, when you, when you get put in a room with somebody that's lightning fast. Yeah. Um, I had to step up. I, I, I've had that in Nashville where you get in a room mm. and it's just like, okay, we've got, we've got two hours together. And you go, right, okay. And, and you just, you either step up or you ship out, don't you? Absolutely. And, you, and, you know, I, I felt that pressure and I loved working him, with him. And we were, we were from two quite different, well, very different worlds in a lot of respects. But what one thing we did have is a, sim, a similar idea about what we wanted to do. And we, were, we would actually worked really, really well. I ended up, you know, co-writing and producing his, his album at the time which unfortunately he leaked, um, which wasn't great because it was like he then gave it away um, wow. for free. Um, but I learned a lot from that. I learned a hell of a lot from that. And then around that period of time, my publishers then are still Sarah and stuff like that. It was MySpace and all that. And then Ed Sheeran yeah. was, was sort of the next sort of main thing. And um, Ed who? Ed, Ed Sheeran, this guy. <laughs> I know, yeah. yeah. Plays guitar. Yeah, 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 yeah. How did you meet him and how did it develop? Well, he, he had just moved to London. He was 16. He would just turned 17. So he'd moved from uh, Suffolk to, he was living above a pub. And he at that time was like, I don't, I mean, it was through MySpace basically and my publishers. It was like a, a coordinated attack of something. It was not attack, it's the wrong word. But it was like these things sort of, you know, happened in this sort of, yeah. Same type of thing. And I love when that stuff happens. Um, and then it was like, I picked him up from Sunningdale sta- train station with a traveling guitar and his small yeah. little guitar on his back and his yeah. backpack and his, you know, boots and jeans. And, you know, hasn't really changed that much really now. But, and, um, and I just love, I think for me, the main thing was what I, I heard you need me. I don't need you. It was a different version at that time. And, um, and I was like, wow, this is so different. And um, obviously from, from spending a lot of time in the, in, in the Wiley world and in terms of the beats, and I was doing remixes as well at that point and stuff like that, it was, I was very beat-driven, it was very track-driven. But then Ed gave me that songwriting thing yeah. and, and with my influences as well of the beats and, and that side of it, suddenly we merged in this sort of interesting fusion of like beats and songs. 
And no one was sort of doing it at that point. It wasn't, I mean, he was managed by Crown at the time and that didn't quite work out. But I remember them saying to Ed, you know, look, maybe you should be more like the James Blunt, more traditional singer-songwriter. No one's going to understand this new direction. What is this? Um, but we just stuck to our guns, to be fair. Yeah. Um, and there was, there, was a, there was a bit of a kickback, and there was a lot of people, um, you know, who, who felt that it, it might not connect and it might not work. But I did. I had a feeling and, and, and that, that it was very unique and very different, and it was a risk, but we just cracked on and kept doing it. So I, I love that. Yeah, and we did, um, we started doing some EPs, so just like we did a thing called Songs, Song with Amy, Songs with Amy, which he wrote with Amy Wodge, yeah. um, who he was working with. He's also looked after by my publishers as well. So yeah. it's like a little family, really. Yeah, yeah. And between me, Amy, Ed, um, there weren't really many, many other people around. Um, we sort of, you know, did all, you know, did that. And then I started writing with him. Um, uh, the first track we wrote when I first met him was a track called The City, which was Plus. But Plus was pretty much made. There wasn't really... And I was terrified because I thought, hold on a second, he wasn't signed at this point. Um, we'd done about three Ps, I think. And then, then we decided to do a collaborations uh, EP, which was rappers and, and, and Ed singing choruses, which we all wrote and divided it all up between us. And... Um, and that was a, a real turning point because then what happened was with the, with the social side of it, all the rappers and people that were involved on that record um, were also promoting the record as well from their side. Yeah. So it was actually quite a useful tool because it was like we had this music, but it was all being promoted by loads of different people. And obviously a lot of these people on, that Ed you know, was working with, we were working with at that time, had a real sense of, of, you know, it was it was it was very honest. It was very real. They weren't like pop stars. Yeah. It was like a real underground scene of people making music and talking about stuff and saying stuff, which I love. And um, that did really well. And we ended up going to iTunes without a record label, like to number one. And we and then it was re- between us and Rihanna. And we're like, on you know, what the hell's going on? This is all independent. We're doing this ourselves. We put it out through TuneCore at the time. And then obviously the phone rang. You know, (laughs) suddenly every label in the world was very excited. Um, How how long had you been working at that point from from the time you first picked them up from Sunningdale Station to the point that the phone rang? um, What what sort of time period are we talking there? Maybe, I mean, three years probably. Right. 18, 19, I think. I can't remember when Plus came out. What made you, I mean, you said that there was a sense of something was there this sense of something special happening here? It really was. It felt really, it was really exciting. It was like the energy and the energy that Ed has as a person was just, it was almost like it would breathe into other people. And he's such a positive, I mean, he had it planned out, very smart. I mean, he had all the, all the album names down already. And I said, well, why, why plus? And, you know, why, you know, and he goes, well, because... It was when people were basically ripping you off on music, you know, from the piracy and stuff like that before, obviously, Spotify and stuff. And he was like, well, if I call it plus or divide, people can't Google it. <laughs> they won't be able to find it. Of course they will. But that was his mentality. Wow. Which was really smart, you know, um, very, very smart, very, very smart guy and, and very thinking of the future and how things can work and, and, and in those sort of aspects. Um, so there, there was definitely a massive feeling of this is something very special. Yeah, yeah. I love um, that you stuck to your guns as well. Yeah, we did, and 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 it was tough. I mean, you know, I think it was much tougher for Ed because he was the artist, 
And there were many conversations of like, oh, is this like, you know, we, he got told, you know, that you know, the A-team didn't have a chorus, you know, and I remember having the conversation saying, well, look, you know, this is what, this song is amazing. I mean, you're singing about something you went through working in a homeless shelter in Angel about, you know, who, you know, and it was this whole story that, yeah. and they was drawing from all these real experiences and putting it into a song. And it was such a beautiful song. Um, and that we put out a year later, it then, then did, you know, crazy stuff. Yeah. And then, plus was made but sorry going back to it i was really worried because i thought well maybe i'm not going to be able to make this album maybe they're going to pull me off it ed's going to get signed and they're going to be like thanks for your hard work because that happens i was i was going to ask you you know did you have a a, a production agreement in place on this or was no, it all just handshakes not at all um and you know that it was it was literally through good faith and you know, I hadn't tied him into it. Funnily enough, I did try and sign his publishing <laughs> right. at that point. I was like, oh my God, like this is, you know, before it really kicked, I was like, Ed, look, you know, meet Sarah and, <laughs> yeah. you know, let's, let's do something. And I've now set up a publishing company with Sarah. Yeah. But if only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey ho. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, but was, they kept you on as, obviously, as producer. They did there. keep me up as producer. And I take my hat off to all the, the, the other producers that were asked because I heard, I know that they were shopping it out to other people because I'd, I wasn't really a name. I mean, I'd worked with Wiley, but I wasn't like, you know, a named producer. So, right. um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a bit of a dodgy situation. Wow. But luckily, you know, I think what I heard was some of the producers that heard it said, look, we've heard the record. We think it's great. We don't need to check what... What needs to be changed? And, and I was enough, like, whoa, that instilled a lot of faith. Yeah. So I'm like that now. So if I feel it's really good, I would just be like, you know what? You don't need me. It sounds great. Yeah. You know, you, you gotta, you got to respect other people because we're all in it together. And if you screw over that, uh, you know what I mean? That side of it. I love that. You know, we're all, you know, it's the other thing of producers who will do it for nothing. Yeah. Oh. And, and, I, and I'm like, don't do it for nothing because it devalues you and it devalues every single other producer out there. I know we need to make money. I know you need to get on, but you, you've always, at least if it's something or tie in a, you know, a royalty or whatever it is. But anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you, uh, so you produced all but one. Um, we did all of, yeah. So all of Plus. Um, and, and you co-wrote seven on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what was your? Do you have a particular favourite of yours on on there that these just you just go? Yeah, I'm, I fucking love that one of mine. I mean, I love them all in different ways. Even the ones I didn't write. I mean, right. it was such a sort of magical time, such a sort of period of, of of something that was just very natural. We were pretty much left to our own devices. There were there were some, you know, we we the A and R now Ed Howard and Ben Cook. It was like. I knew them anyway because of Wiley. They signed Wiley. Um, so yeah. they, it was like a sort of, it was like, you know, we had a sort of thing. They come to the studio, but they didn't, they were, they were hands-on, but they weren't too hands-on. It was a nice, gentle, yeah. um, you know, approach. Um, and we recorded it all, the, you know, I recorded it all on Cubase 3. <laughs> Literally, wow. you know, I had no gear. I, I, I don't have any money. Was, <laughs> I, was like, I heard it was like a 200-pound microphone or something. Yeah, it was, right? a, it was a Rode NT2 mic um i think it was that yeah so okay well let, let's talk about kit then i mean you know we're producers so we have to do the gear thing <laughs> um so you know i've always said that the most important bit of kit in the studio is is what's on the side of your head yeah you know of presumably if you're working on a 200 pound microphone you've got to know what to do with the vocal after that you know i had a lot on the vocal chain <laughs> but i mean it but again it was trial and error and it, you're right it is it is your ears you know you've got to go on where you know 
funnily enough, my dad was always like, always mix the vocals loud. Yes. They're not loud enough. Turn up the vocals, Jake. Yeah. Like, All right, dad, a bit more for you. Um, but it, it's right, actually. You know, I think you know, it depends on what you're mixing for. Yeah. Um, I think if you're, you know, more alternative styles of music, you know, mixing is, you can mix in so many different ways. But if you're going for a, more of a pop sound, then you want to make sure those vocals are right up front. I mean, now it's ridiculous. They're so, everything's so compressed. It's oh, like, yeah. you know, there's no sort of room to <laughs> move. But um, that's because of the iPhones and all the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. People are listening to music in that way. So it's changed even a lot, a hell of a lot since. Yeah, definitely. Since, since Plus, you know. So, so when you produced it, I mean, and, and this may be indicative of your style full stop but when you produced it did you like having it in the room or it's just like or it's just like no no i've got to do this bit by myself no absolutely not i mean my 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 role as it were within that framework and i this is what i learned from working with all these other people before ed from loads of different characters to go well everyone's got different they're all the same type of they all want the same thing but i learned how to like i guess try and understand someone's ideas and their what they're hearing and how they're hearing it and the visions then it becomes a a two-way thing yeah. where you're like well if you see them get excited about yeah and there were many times when we didn't agree on stuff right you know um but that's normal and i think that's healthy um and you know ed ed you know was he loved playing live i mean you just couldn't stop him performing in the house in between recording <laughs> you know it was like i just he just want, he's just playing and playing and playing i mean that's why he does so many shows yeah. and i think that's part of his success yeah, yeah. the studio for him he, you know he loves but i think prefers live um so a couple of questions so i had to be quick sorry uh, i had to be fast yeah 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 so did when you recorded the vocals um was was he playing at the same time was it sometimes right it depends on what we what, what i was going for like i mean at the time i didn't have a door actually uh on between the, <laughs> the vocal booth and the live room yeah it fell off um so you if you listen i mean on plus you can hear little things at the ends of songs there's even bits i'm going yeah nice one nice nice take yeah got it i love that but we left those little things in there yeah because it was quite cheeky yeah yeah and and, and i i love those old records where the drum would go slightly out or there'd be a bit of a yeah mistake and we're humans. Yeah, we all make mistakes. Sometimes it's nice to capture that in a recording. If it's all so processed, it's a bit like, oh, it's like, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can, at the end of Beautiful, Christine Aguilera, you can hear the click yeah. going, can't you? Yeah. So, There's a wet, wet, wet song as well, and where he burps. Right. It's like, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, there is, Listen out for it if you haven't heard it. It's so weird. So, so when you disagree with, I mean, we'll stay on there, but we're going to talk about your other artists as well that you work with. But, you know, when you disagree on something, as a producer, you know, you're working with the artist who, at the end of the day, it's their gig. Of course know? it is. And, and, so, yeah. so how far would you fire? And, you know, I mean, there are people in the room here who are producers that work with artists, you know, yeah. and up-and-coming artists, up-and-coming producers. You know, what's your advice on this? Like, how far do you, do you fight your corner? To be fair, the artist is always right. Right. You know, in that respect, I think you've, you know, as long as you trust in the artist, yeah. you know, you have to trust with the people that you work with. Otherwise, why bother working with them? You know, and if you see you've got to look for something that you love from doing it, you should enjoy it. It's fun. It should be fun. And when it's not fun, try not to do it. Because yeah. it's, you know, all this craziness in the world anyway. So, you know, you if the artist says, look, I really, really don't like that thing, then I'll be like, cool, 
it's your, it's your album. You've got to tour it for two years and the rest if it's a hit. Keep yeah. playing it every single, if you get a Christmas song or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you're not, there's nothing, I, I don't want that on my shoulders. I don't want to feel like I've gone, right, well, because I'm not right about everything. Who is? Yeah, no yeah. one is. You don't know. That's the fun of it, working it out together. And you can go, you know, well, here, here, here. Let's, let's just stay on that for a moment then. What, what do you think is the mark of a, a good producer? And, and, you know, we'll talk about it in, the, in terms of the producer of the entire record as opposed to just a track guy uh, or a vocal producer because there, there is the massive mm-hmm. difference between those two. But, you know, somebody that's responsible, you know, I would class you as the old school producer. It's like we're making the whole record together. You're producing the vocal. You're doing the track work. Um, what do you think is the mark of a, of a really good producer that people want to work with? I think, I, I think it's very simple. I think it's just literally just, you know, obviously loving you know if you if you like i said earlier if you love a project if you're working with the artist a it's about relationship so you've got to have a good relationship otherwise it's not going to work at all yeah you, you know there's nothing worse than working with someone and they're working with you i've had many times when i've worked with an artist and they haven't particularly got on well with me yeah you know and likewise the other way around mm-hmm. and that will be very short-lived and that's fine that's okay you can't get on with everybody because yeah. there's different egos and different things that happen and you sometimes just have to let that one lie as a rule i've actually been pretty lucky and i've worked with some amazing people um from pete doherty you know recording the libertines album was was something i was terrified about yeah um but it, you know it 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 worked you know i managed to record an album i didn't even know i'd be able to do that you know it was quite a terrifying thing and having the pressure of the record label going look we need an album <laughs> i'm like okay they haven't played together for x amount of years is this gonna work and it did thank, thankfully but um and was that uh, are we talking big live room are we talking yeah live room all live you know it was about trying to you know get and everyone works on different times i mean the you know carl and pete are like two kids playing in a you know room scuffling and rolling around and they had typewriters in the room and i got told off once because i was like trying to sort out a snare or something or a vocal thing and they were both like tap 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 ding tap 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 tap. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? They, yeah. They wrote all their lyrics. They typed them out the, on a typewriter. Yeah, typewriters. May I ask why? <laughs> well, that's, yeah. I mean, but I think that's the way well, they create. How, how many know. decades ago was this? Well, this is this is recently. I mean, that's it's well, recently. Yeah. Two, I know, three right? Years but, ago. but how, um, how bizarre! But this is it. And we had painting. We had our artwork. We we brought in canvases, um, and we would be painting while we were making records and really? throwing paint and stuff. And yeah, it was pretty mad. But it, Who, it, Whose idea was that? Was that them just saying, let's just do this? It was, it, I knew that Pete was a, actually quite a prolific artist. And right. I think the studio, when I walked into it, it was really, really unviby. Right. I mean, my studio is like basically just about standing up, but it's, it's just, you know, it's nothing particularly that special. And that's the other thing. You know, it doesn't always have to be, you know, well, swish bang woohoo you know because sometimes it actually puts the artists off yeah and they can feel a bit like oh intimidated they go into the booth and the mic's there and they're like oh god you know how am i going to record this? i feel a bit like i'm in a hospital yeah so when i walked in the studio it's an amazing studio but it just it was karma in thailand oh, yeah. and um <clears throat> you know everything you know beautiful place obviously i mean i was like looking out the window going i want to be outside um but um thank god they had good air conditioning but um it was like yeah, I was like, we need, to, we need to decorate this. So I spoke to um, um, the studio manager and I was like, look, we need to, look, here's some money. We need, we need, we need incense. We need, we need to go shopping. 
We need lights. We need lamps. We need candles. We need art. We need paint. We need canvases. And the guy's like, I thought you're making a well, <laughs> interior designer or something. And I was like, no. <laughs> I, I, t- I think that's really, really. I just think that's smart. It's it's about sensitivity, isn't it? Mm. It's about having the sensitivity to the artist, and it's like, how are they going to feel most comfortable? Yeah, I mean, the same with Paloma Faith. I decorated all her booth with loads, loads of twinkly fairy lights. Right. You know, and she was like, "I'm a star." I'm a star. <laughs> I don't know, I'm a star. Yeah, but yeah, amazing. Again, amazing to work with, and just you know, she was she's another ideas person. Just whoa. She's thinking of the music videos, the, everything, what she's wearing, the dress, the thing. I mean, so prolific. There's, there's a similar thread between all these different artists. All very different. Yeah. You know, yeah, Shania yeah. Twain, she'd be sending me like voice notes of like, you know, tiny things. And then she'd send them to me in three different keys and, and then four different speeds. And it would really? be like 30 seconds long, if that, of the song. And she hadn't even written the song. She was like, what do you think? Do you want to produce this one? I'd be like, okay. It's like 10 seconds long of a voice note. And I'd have to make sense of it. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I do like that 10 seconds. Yeah. That's so interesting. And, and in terms of, I mean, the, the great thing about talking to you is you're not only producer, but you're a songwriter as well. So in terms of writing, you know, what do you think makes a great collaborator? I mean, we're fierce advocates. In fact, we insist that everybody collaborates. I think it's um, really important. And what do you think makes a great collaborator? You know, what are your favorite collaborations that you've done? I mean, there's, there's been loads. I mean, James Bay. I mean, you know, uh, one of the favorite songs I've ever written called Incomplete on his, his uh, Chaos and the Calm album uh, with me and another guy, Chris. Um, I worked a lot with a guy called Chris Leonard, who's a guitar player. Mm-hmm. He was in a band when I was like, he was the guy actually that worked at the BBC. He got the, oh, okay, the yeah. gig there. Oh, brilliant. So, uh, yeah, um, I worked with him quite a lot. Um, a great guitar player. He played all over. I got him to perform all on Ed's records. He's just got a sound. Um, but also as a songwriter, he was brought up, he taught himself by watching MTV. So he'd just sit there by MTV as a kid, really young. He was like nine playing guitar. You know, he's quite a you know, genius player. And, he, and that's how he learned. So in terms of songwriting, he'd been listening to, you know, Brothers in Arms and all this stuff, you know, MTV, just playing, playing. So when it came to songwriting, he'd just a draw from all those songs that he had been playing along to all the time. Um, and I think there's... There, it depends on what song you're writing. It depends on what style you're doing. Collaboration is, is important, I think. I think, it, I think it's, you know, especially for artists, I think it can really help develop songs and take you as a songwriter to other places you wouldn't necessarily go to. Yeah, yeah. Tell us how Lego House was, came about then, you know, in terms of, like, that collaboration. I mean, it's a fantastic title, fantastic song, but mm. it's like, what was the... What was the formation of it? Where did the title come from? How did you develop it? And you know, and at which point did you get the rush? The yeah, we've got something here. Well, yeah, the rush thing was interesting because when we used to finish a song, um, sometimes we would walk back, you know, just me and Ed, like from the studio in the dark through the country, like because I live like in in Surrey, whatever. Yeah. It's like a little country. He's from the country, sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so we'd walk back. We'd be so like hyped playing the song like on our phones just coming back from the studio just on repeat on repeat and i'm sure the same for like you know you guys when you write a song and you're so excited about it you can't stop playing it you drive yourself mad i'm playing again playing again playing again you know um and, and then you're like i've listened to it so much it's like i need to get away from it but lego house came about um in terms of 
you know, um, of it was basically a love song. And we were talking about, you know, Ed had um, a few love interests at that time. I won't say a few, but um, one particular love interest. And it was getting a little bit rocky. It was a bit tricky. And it was like, well, I want to sort of talk about this sort of, you know, express that one. And then it was like, well, the concept of how do you write a love song without it necessarily being the straightforward, I love you, this, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Um, so it's like, well, let's think about love as something childish, you know, or, you know, Lego is something childish and the simplicity of building up love and how easy it is to build up with Lego, but you can also equally smash it to the floor and break it to pieces. Right. And that was basically the concept. And then from there... It was like, you know, do you remember that um, paint by numbers? You know, yeah, sort yeah. Of, you know, again, a childish thing to do, but how lovely and simple that sort of lyric in terms of I'll paint you by numbers and colour you in. You know, it's that sort of simplicity of love, but something you can do. And, 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 and it was all very, all very visual. A lot of the stuff we wrote was very conversational. Yeah. Lots of metaphors in terms of like, okay, we, if we'd mentioned the word, you know, I don't know, water then we'd think of something else that would represent that yeah and so <clears throat> just build on that structure so it was a different type of songwriting i guess in a way as well um and not a lot of people were writing like that yeah in that sense at that time and how and long now. how long did it take to write like didn't, it, it didn't take very long to 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 write but it took a really long time to produce oh really yeah yeah um i think we did it like 12 times or 11 times you're kidding me yeah why was that? Well, I, I, I know because, the feeling when some songs yeah. you, just, you just go, ah, not, ah. And so back to drawing board. But what, what was it? Did you think it was, was just, it was to do with, I think, because we started it on a synth. So it's like, dun, 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 It was that triplet 16 thing that yeah. we, uh, started on a synth. And it's sort of like that thing. And because it was synth based, it didn't really tie in with the rest of the record. Right. And it was like, okay, well let's switch that. And then we're like, jing, 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 jing. And then it was like, no, not strumming it. Okay. We're picking it. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. That's good. And then it was just working the beat around it and trying to sort of make sense of what that was to fit in. Cause I obviously I was doing pretty much the whole album, you know, without, and so it, it needed to make sense sonically in terms of where everything else was sitting. Yeah. Um, and it t- took quite a few attempts. Not every song was like that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but that one in particular, for some reason, just took a bit of time. Did you ever just sit down by yourself and just literally just play the songs, play these back through to yourself? I don't really enough. I don't know why. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes, like, my phone will kick in in my car and I'll be like, oh, my God, it will play a song that, you know, one of those or whatever. I'd be like, God, I haven't heard that for a long time. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I'm not, I don't really know. I mean, I'm always, I'm always thinking of new things. I'm like, okay, well, I've done that now what's next, you know, yeah, what else yeah, yeah. is out there? What really piques your interest in, in a new artist? Because let's face it, you can go to an open mic in anywhere in London There's and so see much. sort of 20 of them in a night. You know, what? what's the thing that anybody that's in here, it's like they might be thinking, well, you know, if there's a producer out there looking for someone, what am I going to, what do I need to deliver? You know, what do they need to deliver to get you excited? I think the main thing is having a complete idea about what they are. Ah. that's basically it. <laughs> it's really Ex- easy. Expand, ex- expand on that because it's okay, quite so, a broad thing, isn't it? Okay, so what you don't want is someone who doesn't quite know what they're doing. Because if you find an artist who's like, ah, oh, I don't know if I'm going to, I'm not sure, am I this style, am I that style, you know. I know part of it is figuring it out, but it depends how much. You don't want to carry 
you don't want to be carried and you don't want to carry someone else. You want to sort of feel like it's a mutual thing. So the more someone understands what they're doing musically, um, like with a band, it's obviously really important to experiment. It depends on what level you're at. But you know what it's like when you're sort of like trying stuff out. You've got to go here and go there to work out. You don't want to do that one. But a fully formed artist, even at those early stages, will have that idea. They are. Will have that idea. So... You know, I've, I have worked with people before where I've thought, well, I can, you're really good at this bit and you're really good at this, but you can sing really well and you're a great performer and I think you've got a great look, you've got a great image, you, you know, but you don't quite know your style and you're a bit lazy, right? Yeah. You don't want to sort of travel on a Sunday or do something. And I'm like, well, you know, Sunday, we're all here, right? You know, rugby yeah. was on, we all came. You know, and it's like, you know, you've got to commit to things. You've got to do things. And if you do do that, then um, it pays off. But you have to keep at it. Yeah. And it's not easy. Um, there are so many facets to being yeah. an artist. So it's like knowing themselves musically, you know, and being confident with that musically as well. But, you know, you've had this whole background in, in, in media and PR and marketing. Yeah. So we've got to talk image as well. They've got to know themselves <laughs> well, yeah, in I terms mean, of how they present themselves. But image right? doesn't need to be what you think image is. Go on, him. Okay, so like Ed, I mean, it's like, you know, he was a prime example and he'll, he'll openly admit that he doesn't look like a pop, like a, you know, boy bandy type of dude. Yeah. He doesn't. But it's, but but, it's but authentic, that, isn't but, it? But that is the point. Adele, you know, yeah. she's authentic to what she does. Yeah. She's real. Yeah. She doesn't pretend to be anything she's not. Yeah. That's what people want. And they want, I think they want it more and more. They want it all the time. You don't want something too fake because then doesn't, you're not, we're humans. We need that energy. Yeah. Um, and for a song and an artist to talk to you, you've, you've got to have that. Yeah, yeah. And, and to find it is hard. Let's, let's say that you walk into, into the King's Arms and you see someone that blows you away. They're a great singer, um, great look. They seem to have a presence. They, they're really driven. How important at that point, if, if they've got to tick all of those boxes, how important is what they've done social media-wise for you? To me, it's not, it's not the be-all or the end-all of it. And I don't think, I, I'm not ranking it as one of the really top things to do because, you know, it's not, actually. Uh, I think it's very much part and parcel of it, but I don't think that that should also be the main focus. I think it's very easy to go down that route mm-hmm. and think, oh, I haven't got enough followers or I must just literally, you know, live is so important. You know, getting out to, you know, playing, you know, like actually doing it. Don't, you know, just rely on social media. Um, to build a real fan base, you've got to perform in front of people. Yeah. Open mic nights, there's plenty of them. You know, go out and actually perform them. Because yeah, yeah. that's where you get your experience. And you need to, if you're competing with, with, you know, these are your peers, you've got to start thinking, well, actually, Coldplay, if you're in a band, they're, I'm going to be better than Coldplay. You've got to have that sort of slight mentality. A bit weird, but you have to start thinking about that. So I'm going to get out there, I'm going to perform, I'm going to, I'm going to do gigs, I'm going to do shows. And it's not easy, no. But there are, there are venues and there are ways of doing it hit up, you know, you know, people on social networks and actually go, cool, how, how do I play, you know, Great Escape or whatever it might be, contact these people and, 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 and just keep knocking away. And if it's one show, and I always say to an artist when they're starting out, if it's one person and they go, oh, there's no one there. It was like there was four people or something. I'm like, yeah, but how many, you know, did you, did you gain like one follower or whatever? And they're like, yeah. I was like, well, there you go. One yeah. person. It's only one, and then it will be two. 
Yeah, and got to start somewhere. And and of course, they, it, it, if you're delivering great stuff, then yeah. that one person it will grow exponentially. Mm. They'll tell two or three, and those two or three, would, you know, I think another reason why Ed and a lot of those sort of artists like Ed, who have actually grafted, and you know, Ed would gig and gig and gig and gig and gig. You, you earn your stripes. He, I've always said this about him. He's, he's done his apprenticeship. Oh, you, you know, it's you can like, only respect it. Right? Whether whether you like or you don't like what he does, you cannot disrespect the work that he's put in mm. to get where he's gone. He deserves every bit of it, doesn't Absolutely. he? Absolutely, he's worked at it, deserves it. Yeah. What have been the highlights for you? Like the the highlights with with various artists, the moments where you go, "Wow, that's why I do what I do." Ah, uh, I mean, I've been so blessed with a few. I mean, you know, like sitting down, being, you know, for the Grammys, like second row, like there, you know, and being in this sort of going, no one knows who I am. What's going on? We're up for album of the year. And yeah. thinking out loud is like up for this award. And like, it's just great. And the Dell's in front of me and then the weekend's here. And like, you know, I'm like, this is mental. Yeah. This is weird. It's surreal. Really surreal. And any artists that you would love to produce? Yeah. Who's on your wish list? I mean, I've always wanted to work with Adele. With Adele? Yeah. I've always wanted to do something. Um, I yeah, think she's pretty good, isn't she? She's amazing. <laughs> and I know, I mean, you know, I've, I've you know, know her through friends and stuff, and we've hung out. And she, with a lot of this structure, you know, what, what can happen is you guys might or not, might not know or do know this, but you, you get camps of people. So you get the artist and within that you have their people. So the management company will have their songwriters. They'll have their teams. They'll have their people. Yeah. And it's almost an all big in-house job. And obviously the people at the top of the tree who manage them, all the different people within that world are going to work on that artist because they all, the person. I, I think making that's the money. really worth addressing, you know, yeah. for, for, just as a, as a reality check for anybody going into the business is that it's not you. You may not be doing anything wrong at all, but don't be surprised if you just can't get in the door with some artists. So that's the nature of the industry. You sort of got to know what to give and when to give and who to give it to. Um, what advice would you give songwriters today? Songwriting is not just about writing a hit song. I think that will either happen or it won't happen. And there might be times when you think you've written one and it's not, and there might be times you think you, you haven't and you have. Yeah. I think you get a feeling. But I, I think you've just got so, I've, you know, I do repeat the same things quite a lot, but you do have to really enjoy what you do. Um, and don't turn it into too much of a science uh, because yeah. it, you can go down some mad road and you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to write the biggest hit song. And you could, that can almost get very confusing. Try and be different. Try and create your own lanes. Try and work with people that have that thing that connects but still has its own lane. You know, uh, there, there's you, 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 each one of you, everyone can define what they do. You're not being told by anyone, really. Yeah. It, not even me. No one. Like, whoever it is, it's like you, you, you just have to stick to what you love doing, work. And, and keep writing songs that you naturally believe in, whether, you know, if you love writing a dance banger, do it. Yeah. Does, it, it's not about being cool or not cool or what's trendy or what's not, or not, not trendy. You just got to keep defining what that is. Yeah. And maybe you're still working that out, but we're all still working it out. I love that. Yeah. I mean, Da Vinci said, learn the rules like a pro, then break them like an artist. You know, and it's, yeah. it is like there are certain things that work that we know work in songwriting, you know, even just as simple as like, well, how quickly you get to your hook, but still being unique and, and unusual and taking chances, isn't it? You do have to take chances, you know, and, you know, for me personally, taking a few risks here has worked. Yeah. I'm not saying it's always going to work, 
Yeah, yeah. But, um, and I still like to take chances now. I still like to take risks now. I think I'll always keep trying it. Yeah, you're and, and there, there might be a quiet couple of years here, uh, you know, here or there. There might be something that doesn't quite connect or doesn't quite work, but that's all right. Part of it. That's and how it we might learn. Come, it's, how you, it's, it's not always going to be roses. And that's the truth. Yeah. That's the, that's the hard truth of it. Yeah, It's absolutely. hard. It's difficult. And you feel like as a songwriter sometimes, you're like, what am I doing? Am I mad? Am I going crazy? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Is this any good? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. You know, and you doubt yourself and all those things, but it's all, it's all part of it. You just got to yeah, get it, over your own stuff as well and, and move it's, on. It's almost like biorhythms, you know, it's, it's like they sort of like, there, there'll be po- moments where you think, yeah, I'm the shit. <laughs> and, and other times where you just go, I am just shit. You know? <laughs> yes. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> someone else's biorhythm is up there and you can, fuck, they're getting all of the, you know, all of yeah. this. And, True. and you, but, but everybody peaks and troughs, you know, and it does. Uh, there will be, and and emotionally you peak and trough it's as part, well, don't you? It's part of it's part of the whole life thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's like I, I always said, you know, I'd rather have the roller coaster than the slow train, and and the music business is, you know, it, mm. it's feast or famine. It's you know, it is up and down, but it's like it's the best ride ever, isn't it? This is it. It's yeah. fun. It's definitely fun. It's definitely yeah. interesting. Yeah, I know, right? And you meet amazing people, and and you know. They're the, along the way, there are certain things that you you know you just you would never change for the world. So. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Yeah. One more question for you: um, advice for a long-term career in the music business. Three words. Wow. Don't give up. Love that. Love that. Love that. If you'd like to find out how we can help you on your path through the music business, come and talk to us at thesongwritingacademy.com.